Our first reading is from the book of Genesis. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. This is the word of the Lord. The second scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Listen now for God's word to us. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, One does not eat by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you do not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Just to set the stage for this particular story that we're going to focus on, 
Jesus has just been baptized, sent up into the wilderness after having been blessed by God. He's not yet fully launched his official ministry. So this is, in a sense, preparation for that time. It's a time of examination, challenge, and contemplation. The wilderness is a place of wandering, wondering, and wildness. And it's often Jesus' refuge. There are lots of wilderness experiences that can be had. They're pretty commonplace these days. Outward Bound, some of you may have been on Outward Bound or know people who have gone. Vision Quest, there are a number of ways that one can have a solo experience in the wilderness. Many, many of these are, well, most all of them have fasting, solitude, and nature in common. Those three common denominators are also true of Jesus' trip, the one he um, experienced in the wilderness. Fasting is something that, um, that many people do during Lent, not the whole Lent, hopefully, but maybe on Good Friday. I've attempted to fast on Good Friday as a spiritual discipline, thinking it was something that would bring me closer to God. So I decided several years ago when I was going to fast that I would fast from Thursday night until Saturday morning. So the whole day of Good Friday would be, um, I would avoid food, but I would drink water and I was able to drink fruit juices too. I allowed myself some grace. And everything was going well until Friday morning when I realized I couldn't have food and then I got really hungry and the, and the hunger pains grew, right? Like I drank water, I alternated with juice, I tried to stay busy and distracted but I got really hungry. And by the end of the day, I was famished. Because <laughs> I don't do this on a regular basis, and it showed me that I'm pretty attached to food. By the time bedtime rolled around and I was supposed to lay down and go to sleep, all I could think about was how hungry I was. And my stomach was just growling like crazy. And so I began to rationalize that, you know, if I had some watermelon, that wouldn't be cheating because it has the word water in the word. So I got up and I went to the refrigerator, opened the door and pulled out a big thing of watermelon and just ate it into my heart's content. And I didn't feel much guilt about it either. I just felt relief. And then I went back to bed and I slept like a baby. If Jesus was, you know, have, would have used his rational mind, would have listened to his rational voice, he could have turned that st those stones into bread and been satisfied. But alas, he didn't. The word that um, I will use in place of devil and tempter, in terms of Jesus um, hearing the voices, will be um, assumed to be his inner critic. So most of us can relate to that the voices in our head that, you know, battle with the good and the, like, the not-so-good telling us maybe we hear our parents' voice, maybe we hear friends, maybe we hear news people. But anyway, the, the devil, the tempter, will be an inner dialogue that Jesus is having with himself. 
who I will call the inner critic. Fasting is very different in the domestic sphere. There are fast food restaurants on every corner, and if you're going to fast, um, don't watch TV because the food commercials are sure, sure to make you cave in. Uh, the one thing that I was contemplating as I, you know, was writing this sermon is that I could get up and I could go to my refrigerator and I could open the door and not only have watermelon, but choose from a variety of different foods to satisfy my hunger. But there are a lot of people in the world who can't do that, who cannot, who don't even have a refrigerator and who may not have choices about what they eat, who may not even be able to get to the refrigerator because they're immobile. There also is like a lot of language around um, food that's, that kind of demonizes food. And so we often judge food based on like if it's considered sinful, which is often what we consider like the desserts, like, you know, the deadly dessert, you know, chocolate cake or whatever, but it's all just food, right? And it, and it may or may not be what people have to eat. Jesus seemed to get that. He seemed to get that people um, that he would be ministering to would be hungry, would be poor. And I think that in this preparation for ministry, Jesus was able to identify with those people, hear their voices and their cries, and that he would stay in solidarity with them as he would when, we were, when he was with them, when he fed them and met their needs. The wilderness can be a, a wonderful place to relate to nature and to get in touch with like our interdependence upon the earth and on God and even connect us to ourselves. It's a solo journey. Je Jesus chose that. Not everybody, it's not for everyone. The solo journey is something we can do at home sometimes or just go outside and actually be intentional about spending time in nature. It's a time to unplug, to slow down, and to enjoy the company of oneself. Bell Hooks wrote, knowing how to be solitary is central to the art of loving. I think that part of Jesus' um, journey was to learn how to love and honor himself and to find his own voice in the midst of voices that may have been crowding his head. The second experience that he had was the devil, right? The devil is named here as the actual devil, which in Greek means one who is um, asking us to th throw over, to throw ourselves over. So this actual um, voice in Jesus' head was somehow transporting him to the top of, this, of a temple, to the very pinnacle of it, and asking him to throw himself over. There's a, there was a story in the last couple of weeks of a young woman who was running track, running cross country for a local college. And the story is that she was on a scholarship for cross country. She also needed academic help because she had some learning differences and needed accommodations. So those are things that she was there for. 
And when the learning accommodations dried up for her, she reached out and she asked if she could please receive them, and, and there was no response. So she was, she was not doing well in school because she wasn't receiving the help and care she needed. On top of that, her cross-country coach started to bully her, started to tell her she wasn't fast enough, she was slow, and all these horrible things that she later internalized and sat with when she was doing poorly in school. She was then off the cross-country team, and she was somehow with herself in isolation, and these voices became too much, and she, um, she died by suicide. It's not something we talk about very often, but it's on the rise, and it's something that we need to be aware of, that people hear voices in their head, and often they're not the voices that are their true loving voices of, of their creator, right? They're voices that, that we've collected along the way that we carry with us that can often be detrimental to our health. Jesus teetered on the precipice of the temple, Maybe he, too, was weighed down by all the expectations people had for him, by the priests, by the teachers, by his parents, by his peers, by himself. He wavered. He lingered, I would like to imagine, and he sat, stood there in solidarity with all the people who have contemplated the same thing, those who have gone over the edge and those who have chosen to step back, as Jesus did. Jesus not only was in solidarity with folks, but Jesus gets people. Jesus, is, Jesus goes the distance. He does not run away from the voices that plague him. He leans into them. He actually faces them. He faces them. He looks them straight in the eye, and he sees the fear that they're carrying, and he has compassion for them. But he also stands his ground. The, the final walk through the wilderness or the, the final time that Jesus was visited by this inner critic was when he was shown all the grandeur and the, the riches and the luxuries that he could enjoy as a ruler, as king, if he chose. However, that's not who Jesus is. And again, many of those people, Herod being the one alive at the time, created these many Roman cities that were erected to serve the wealthy at the poor, at the expense of the poor. And Jesus knew this. Jesus heard their voices and their cries. And Jesus found his own voice in the midst of it all. Jesus' willingness to be open and honest with himself and with us as readers is to be open and honest with his fears, with his doubts, with his ego that places him in solidarity with us. Whose voices do we hear? Are they telling us to jump, to, to, to put ourselves down? That is not the voice of God. If we hear those voices, they are coming from somewhere else. But God's voice lifts us up. It actually can be thought of as the hands of those angels that no doubt would have caught Jesus as if he had chosen to, to throw himself over the edge and no doubt caught all those who have 
jumped over the edge and are actually ones that hold us here and now if we choose to believe it. Jesus' voice empowers him and it empowers us to trust God and to find the voices in us, to parse out those voices that we hear, that we may not even hear. Maybe we're just creating patterns that um, are unhealthy for us, but why are we doing that? And maybe to look at those voices that um, are not serving us, to ask ourselves, is it true? Are they true? Is that a loving thing? Is that uplifting? I recently heard a news story about a young woman who lived in California. Her name was Jen Angel, and she owned a local bakery, and it was called Angel Cakes. And she was a beloved small business owner who worked for the betterment of that community and supported other business owners and was just, she was a, she was a person who was an activist, and she uh, found herself in a bank parking lot where there was a car break-in, and she realized what was happening. She chased after the people that were the car um, jackers, I guess, and in her pursuit of those people, she, uh, she incurred injuries um, that eventually... Um, that she eventually died from. But her friends and family knew that because Jen was um, very much in the, of the mind that the people who create uh, harm for themselves, who harm others, who, cre- who are violent and who often um, get into trouble are often people who are the among the poor and then discriminated against. And so finding her captors, they would not persecute them or prosecute them. They would actually have them be held to account with restorative justice in a way that is equitable, in the way that they could hear from the victim's family and also share their own story. Because in somewhere along the way, our voices um, are discovered and heard and realized when we share our stories and when we hear other people's stories. Jesus' kingship was not exploitive. It was restorative, not punitive, but liberative. Jesus heard the voices and met them where they were. He didn't abandon, abandon himself. He hung on to himself, and he trusted God in the process. He may have been tempted, but he didn't let his inner critic get the best of him. He didn't sell out to the highest bidder, but he did struggle like we do. Jesus always takes the long road, never the easy way out. Not necessarily the scenic route either. And Jesus does not stay in the wilderness. Jesus moves on from there, but he has what he needs. He found his voice, and he will continue to need that voice as the tempter, as the inner critic, continues to show up. But he has a better sense of who he is and what he was called to do and that he could trust God no matter what. Jesus had to do his own work before he could help heal, feed, and restore other people. May we do the same. Amen.